Psalm 119, very short verse, verse number 18, and here's what it says. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law, from your word, from your truth. So Father, thank you for the truth. Holy Spirit, as we look into your word today, I pray you'll open our eyes, help us spiritually to see the truth, illuminate truth to us. Show us your plan. Unravel, I pray, those confusing, conflicting thoughts we have. Because we rebuke the thief. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. We reject him today. And we embrace the one who came to bring us life and to bring it more abundantly. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to speak to you today about a topic that's very, very important. There are all too many people in our culture who are walking around blindly. If you don't believe it, just watch one of the Man on the Street interviews. When they ask citizens of our major cities to respond to the recent death of FDR. And they go, oh, I'm sorry to hear that he died. I have never lived in a culture more bankrupt when it comes to history and knowledge and understanding We've got faster techniques of passing information than ever, and yet we don't even know much about who we are or where we came from. There are even those in the church who are blinded because they simply do not know God's Word. They don't know the Word. And there are those who have been misguided, having taken a passage out of context, and out of that they've made a pretext. The next thing you know, they believe a truth falsely. People can do that. Let me give an example. Passage where Jesus says, these things will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Interesting. Great passage. And Paul is a biblical example in the book of Acts of one who touched a severely poisonous, the most poisonous snake in, the, in Eurasia, touched a poisonous viper on a mission to preach the gospel. He was going to preach to those who'd never heard the message of Jesus. He was not going to show off his mystical powers. He was not attempting to tempt the Lord, but Jamie Coots did in his show called Snake Salvation, and he's dead. Contrast that with Paul on a mission to preach to those who did not know God. Because Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Now, he had been shipwrecked, washed ashore on this island, and he's building a fire to keep warm. And it says a viper comes out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. That opened the great door for him to preach the message of Jesus. He was not trying to tempt the Lord. And Satan, of course, is the master of perverting and twisting the Scripture. He took Jesus to the holy city, took him to the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he'll give his angels charge over you. Into their hands they'll bear you up, and you will not dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus looked at him and said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. 
So anytime you take a passage out of context, then you build a doctrinal position with it, you're going to get snake bit. And you're going to get poisoned, and you begin to die spiritually like Jamie Coots died physically. And I've watched some people get snake bit by allowing someone with an extreme position take a scriptural truth. Instead of life, they contracted division from it and gotten poisoned by it. Listen to me. God's word does not divide his body. It unites it. And there are those blind to the truth because they listen to those who influence them wrongly. Why? Because certain people perceive friendship above truth. And that is a very risky place to be. Nothing is greater or higher. God said, I put my word above my name. His truth is the ultimate. We cannot perceive friendships above the truth. Can the blind, Jesus said, lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Spiritual blindness is the worst of all blindness. Paul said, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Jesus said this to his own church, some of which were blind to their own condition. He said to the church, you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, what's the next word? And naked. And then he said, as many as I love, I what? Rebuke and chasten. And then he says, here's the remedy. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may what? See. That's what the psalmist in 119 was saying. There was a book written about 124 years ago in 1890. The author's name was Russell Conwell. He tells the story in this popular book, and the book became so popular and such a bestseller that from its sales in 1890, it netted $7 million dollars. And with it, he founded Temple University in Philadelphia. The story was originally told and preached as a message, and he preached it all over America and around the world, and then he decided to publish this story. And his name lives on in the Gordon Conwell Seminary back in Massachusetts because of his influence as a minister. His smash hit message that he preached and the book that ensued from that message is called Acres of Diamonds. Conwell had heard the story of a South African farmer who worked his farm tirelessly for many years. And he worked out a meager income from that farm. He had an old ox plow, and he worked that field year in, year out. And the family lived in a rundown house, and they barely scraped by every year. And one day, the travelers that came through that area, one of them stopped, and they were conversant, and sharing some of the goods he was selling with the farmer, and told the farmer as they conversed about what was taking place in different areas of the world where he had been traveling, and said, listen, diamonds are being discovered in some of these places. In fact, he said, there's some places in India where streams of water are yielding diamonds. They're finding diamonds right in the streams, and people are going there impoverished, and go from poverty to instant wealth in moments because they just pick up a handful of diamonds out of those streams. So the story so intrigued this farmer, they decided to sell everything that he had. 
He sold the farm, its fields, everything he had used and plowed, gave up the homestead, the single plow, the single ox, and he kissed his wife and children goodbye and said, when I return, I'm going to be wealthy. He gave her just enough money to live on, and he goes off in endeavor to discover diamonds. He goes from country to country. He's searching. He traveled to Persia. He went to Palestine. He went up into Europe. Wherever he would hear of diamonds being discovered, he rushed to go make his claim and stake his claim and make his wealth. Year after year, he would search for diamonds. And finally, after years of futility, he became so depressed because of his failures, he dives into a raging river and drowns himself. The saddest part of that story, as the preacher told it, is the man that purchased his farm took that same plow and that same ox that the farmer had used all those years. It was the same field he had plowed. He had this little meager living coming out of it. But this new owner lived in that same old farmhouse, and while he was out plowing those fields, he noticed some black rocks piled up in an area of the acreage. He picked one up, and in his own words, he said, quote, It looked like a rainbow was imprisoned inside that black rock. It sparkled in technicolor. And he thought it was so unusual, he took it back to his house and placed it on the mantle, that little fireplace in that rundown home that he lived in. And one day, a priest from the local parish came by to visit him, wanted to meet the new landowner, and they were conversing, and the farmer invited him into the little shack of a house. And as they conversed, the priest stopped in mid-sentence as his eyes fell on the mantle and that rock that was displayed there. And the priest asked, where'd you get that? The farmer said, I got it out in the field. They're everywhere. (laughs) The priest said, well, you know, before I became a priest, I was a jeweler. And I'm for certain that's a diamond. He said, you have to shape it and you have to cut it, but inside that black rock, it's a diamond. And did you say you have more? Oh, yeah. So they go out out into that field in the back 40, and as they get out there, they begin to kneel down and start gathering up all these black rocks. And astonishingly, they found acres of diamonds. And this is not a made-up story. This became the world's largest diamond find. Out of that discovery came the De Beers Diamond Mines. And a man who once had it all under his own feet didn't know what he had, and left it all to go all over the world to try to find what he had all the time right under his own feet. He didn't realize that he'd been living on acres of diamonds. Never realized the potential of the place where he was. He thought, if I travel to Persia, if I go over to Palestine, if I make my way up into Europe, listen, what I'm looking for is somewhere out there, it's not here. And all the time, There were acres of diamonds right where he lived. And I see this story repeated again and again. Some people just don't realize the unsearchable riches of Christ they have access to. Right here, gathered in this building right now. You're searching and looking. You chase after this and you chase after that. And understand, in Jesus Christ and his church, you can find acres of diamonds. Conwell goes on to tell another true story in that book. It's about a farmer, this time in Pennsylvania. And for 23 years, he farmed a piece of land, and it had a creek that flowed through his property, and it had scum that would accumulate 
on the surface of the water, and it smelled. He had a few cattle on that property in addition to all the produce that he farmed for, but the cattle would never go and drink out of that creek. So one day the farmer dammed up the creek to prevent the smelly water from flowing through his acreage. He didn't want the smelly water on his land. After years of barely scraping by on his farm, trying to make money off his produce, he decided, I need more success in my life than this. So I'm going to go to work for my cousin in Canada. My cousin's got this fantastic job. Took a couple of courses at a local school. Went up to Canada because they've discovered coal oil. It's a whole new industry. So the farmer goes back to the same classes, takes a few courses, studies soil and rock formation, comes out of school. He has a little bit of knowledge now about the new industry, and he heads for Canada to go to work for his cousin. He sells his farm for $833. And here's what's so astonishing. The man who bought the farm for the $833 was a dairy rancher, and he knew he needed water on his dairy ranch. So he discovered where the previous owner had dammed up the creek, and he tore down the dam, and the water began to flow again across his property. But it had this awful smell to it, and it was murky. So he has a water expert come out to the ranch to test the water. And as they test and evaluate, then the state geologist of the state of Pennsylvania reports, quote, the reason your water is murky and smelly is you have a flowing river of pure coal oil flowing right through the middle of your property. And he said, quote, I declare to you, your property is worth $100 million, pre-depression dollars. The farmer sold the farm for $833. So why? He could get an education so he could go look for coal oil in Canada where all the time the oil was flowing right through his own property and he had $100 million value under his own feet. And Conwell said, the problem, quote, the problem with most people, their wealth is too near. You need to develop, he said, an open mind to spot the obvious, end quote. So I hope you can see where this message wants to take you today. Look at the passage I read to you. I see this all the time as a pastor. I see men who leave a good family. I see a woman leave a good man and her children because the world says, Somewhere out there, there are acres of diamonds. Somewhere out there, there's someone who will make you happy, and you'll be fulfilled when you meet that person, not realizing they have acres of diamonds right where they are. And they go searching, and they try this, and they try that, and the enemy wants you to be convinced it's out there, it's not in here. And I'm telling you, it's right here in this room, in Jesus Christ, in his word. That's why David said, open my eyes to see the wondrous things that are in your word, O Lord. I've studied over and over the story of the prodigal son, preached on it so many times. And I've often wondered, what was he thinking when he left his father's house? He had everything at his fingertips. But he took his inheritance and he heads out for a far country. Somebody, I believe, got in his head. Someone got in his ear. Somebody planted in him, out there, they're having a good time. Out there, they're really living it up. Out there, you're really missing out. Out there is where life really is. And the son's in his father's house, protected and blessed under his roof. But whoever planted that bad seed in his head, got that thought in his mind, it's out there. It's not in here, 
undercover. So the son gathers his inheritance, and he goes way out there into the far country. And there he spent all chasing diamonds. If I get this, I'll be happy. If I get that, I'll be happy. If I party with her, I'll be happy. If I get this new job, I'll be happy. If I achieve this, then I'll be happy. But he ended up eating corn husks in a pig pen. And one day while standing in the pig slop, he came to himself and he said, at least at my father's house, there are hired servants. I'd be far better off as one of those than where I am right now. So he heads back home, and he's broken, and he's repentant. And when he arrives back home, he discovered that there were those acres of diamonds that he should have never left. A father welcoming him back, giving him back those things that he lost. The world and the flesh and the devil will lie to you. And do you know how many times as your pastor for 20 years, I've seen people leave a good marriage, a good family, a great church, Chasing diamonds to become nothing but an old piece of vapor, a lump of coal, and nothing but carbon in their hands. They look back at their precious diamond children or their spouse, and they say to themselves, Dear God, I didn't know what I had. How foolish have I been? You have to understand something about diamonds. It takes time for diamonds to process. A diamond is, has its being because of intense heat, and intense pressure. Without heat and pressure, it's nothing but a piece of coal. But when the right amount of heat and pressure are exerted on a piece of coal, it births a diamond. And God will not place on you more than you can bear. If there's too much heat, it disintegrates to carbon. If it's not enough, it just remains a lump of coal. But when there's just enough pressure applied, that's why you need to comprehend God knows how to birth a diamond in you. Don't run from your trials. Your trials contain your greatest lessons. You will grow into the image of Jesus, the perfect display of what a diamond should look like. You will be cut and fashioned to reflect his light in your life. You'll become what he has always seen in you. And he's allowing the pressure and the heat in your life so you can bring forth his image, reflective of the light of the Lord that's been bounced into your heart. He, sees, he says, I see acres of diamonds. I know those children get on your nerves, but God sees acres of diamonds in them. I know some days a marriage relationship is tough, but God says, don't go chasing what you think is a diamond because what you're going to discover is it's a cubic zirconium. <laughs> and they get up every day just like your husband or your wife. Why don't you dig in your own backyard? Because if the grass looks green around the other side, fertilize your yard. Don't go jumping the fence, always thinking, well, it's out there somewhere. Dig in your own backyard. Some can't hold on to a job because you're always looking for that big, quick, money-making deal. And so you're not looking at the job you have. You're not giving your best to the job you have. You're always looking down the road somewhere. There are acres of diamonds in the job that you have. It's all in how you perceive it. There's so many of the younger generation in our church and in our community, they perceive in their minds, 
I've got to get out of Yuba City to get a good job. Let me flip the coin. It's true we need more forward-looking leadership in our community to be elected. We need to promote job growth in our community. We do. Why would I say that? Because we need to invest in the young, younger generation coming after us. It's not about us. It's always about who's coming behind us. We have an obligation to make this place a place where they want to live and raise their families and have good careers. Yes, we need major change in our city leadership so we can create an environment to bring job opportunities here. Why do you say that? Because I've listened to one or two of them tell me their stories of frustration and trying to do something to make a difference. But we also have to change the perception as well. I don't want to see the best of the next generation leaving our area to be professionals somewhere else, to bless churches somewhere else. We need you right here in our community, and we need you right here in our church. And this should be an environment where you want to be a part of. So pray, open my eyes to the potential. Open my eyes to connections that I can see in front of me. Open my eyes to the beauty of the place you have me now. One is in the hamburger business flipping those burgers every day at McDonald's saying, this is no good for me. I'm better than this. And the other is also flipping hamburgers in a similar environment, but he sees potential and sees an opportunity. And in a decade, he owns the franchise. There are acres of diamonds, but if you, all you see is a glass half empty, you will never see the potential, nor will you see the possibilities that God has put in the place where you are right now. Many live in spiritual poverty while in, in their midst of untold spiritual wealth. Right there with you. In our church, there are acres of diamonds. So you quit running from church to church to church looking for some diamond mine. Why don't you take the coal that you have, apply the fire of the Holy Spirit, enough pressure from the Word of God until the coal becomes diamonds. And our church will do amazing things. And Donna and I came to Yuba City the first time. I wondered, what does God have in mind? What is, what is this about? And I asked the Holy Spirit more than once. I said, reveal what it is you have in mind for this local body. Because I wasn't here very long. Just visiting with Pastor Long and his wife and turned on the news and I could tell right away that those down in Sacramento view Yuba City as a little country town like Mayberry. But the Holy Spirit showed me acres of diamonds, the potential of a church to touch the world, to give away $1 million a year annually to help others all over the world. I see precious people who love God. I see souls being saved. I don't see 24 empty acres next door. I see acres of diamonds in the middle of a Christian center where people's marriages are restored and souls are saved, where from there we reach around the world to do more for Christ than we've ever done in our history collectively. So come on, somebody. Quit waiting for somebody to hand it to you. Recognize that if you'll work right where we are, there are acres of diamonds. Acres of them. And that's exactly what God said to his people 
in Zechariah when they were starting to rebuild the temple. And they looked at this formidable task and they thought, we can't do this. And God said to them, don't despise small beginnings. For the Lord takes joy when the work begins. So you pick something up and you begin to do it. Even though it looks formidably impossible. There's a phenomenon that takes place in South America where the Amazon River meets the Atlantic Ocean. The Amazon River is the mightiest in the world. And where it enters the Atlantic Ocean, it spans 50 miles in width. Cold, fresh water enters the salt water of the Atlantic. It's right there on the equator. Years ago, there was a sailing ship out at sea, and they'd lost their bearings. They'd come through a horrific storm, and they're floundering, and they're in distress. And the crew was thirsting, and they were very dehydrated. They were out of fresh water. It's hot in that part of the world. And while in desperation, they spotted another vessel on the horizon heading in their direction. Wow. So they got very excited, and it was in the days when the only way they had to communicate vessel to vessel was through flags. So the flagman grabbed flags and got out on the bow of the vessel, and he started to communicate, give us water. (laughs) The flagman on the other ship that was headed toward them signaled back, let down your bucket. And the flagman reported the answer to the ship's captain, and he said, they got a weird response. And the captain said, well, he must not have understood your flag message. Climb up to the crow's nest and signal again so he sees you clearly. So the flagman climbs up the mast and he signals again, give us water. And the flagman from the other vessel signaled back, let down your bucket. And the oncoming ship sails past them and now is fading away from them. And the crew on board is starting to panic, thinking we're going to die out here of thirst because we we can't move very fast. We're a little bit disabled and we're out of water. It's a hot environment here on the equator. And they didn't get our signal and they didn't help us. So the flagman attempts one more time as as the vessel is sailing away from them. Give us water! And the flagman from the other vessel signaled back one more time. Let down your bucket! So one of the crew finally got it in his head, and he thought, you know, I don't understand that answer, but I'm going to give it a try. So he takes a bucket, and he lets it down into the ocean and pulls it back, takes a drink out of it, and it's clear, fresh water. Having lost their bearings, they didn't realize where they were. Because when the Amazon River flows out into the Atlantic, the volume of water that it empties into the Atlantic for nearly 50 miles, it's fresh water. And its flow pushes the salt water downwards. So on the surface, there's nothing but fresh, clear water. So the whole while they were thirsting and didn't understand that right beneath them was clear, fresh water. (laughs) Calvary, listen to me. Hear this truth. To someone who is dry and thirsty and desperately needs life, if you'll just let down your bucket right here, Right now, you don't have to go elsewhere. You don't have to go chase diamonds somewhere. You don't have to embrace what the world says will fix you. Right here in this room, there is a well of living water. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you let down the bucket, 
He said, when you take a drink of the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. There are acres of diamonds. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul wrote, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's in you. That inheritance is in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Everything you need, every provision for your body, soul, and spirit is in Jesus Christ. Acres of diamonds. You're chasing this, you're chasing that. You need to let your bucket down. You know, I'm grateful for the thief that was hanging on the right side of Jesus as Jesus hung there bleeding and paying the price for my sins. Because the one on the left side of Jesus looked at Jesus and mocked him. He did not see the value in what Christ was doing or the acres of diamonds. He didn't see that he was the precious lamb of God bleeding for us. He didn't see it. But to the right of Jesus, the the thief said, open my eyes. And when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Your feet will walk on streets of gold. You'll enter through a gate of pearl. There'll be acres of diamonds. They were both guilty of the same crimes. They were both looking at the same thing, going through the same suffering. And one of them cursed God, and the other saw the value of acres of diamonds. So James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God's going to bring the diamonds out after the pressure and the heat are applied. I grieve over any in the church who are like Demas. He was once loyal to Paul and was being apprenticed for ministry. And Paul wrote to Timothy, And said these words about Demas, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He chased diamonds. Think about it. Here was one who was with the greatest of apostles who ever lived, yet he kept hearing this voice calling to him somewhere out there, something he thought he couldn't find in God, nor could he find in God's kingdom. And he leaves the great apostle Paul and goes chasing after these diamonds and these stories. He could have been next to Timothy. He might have authored a book in the Bible. He might have become a great voice in the kingdom of God. But he started chasing diamonds when he didn't comprehend that all around him were acres of diamonds, right where he was. I'm saying to you today, there is hidden potential in your job. The farmer in the story took the same plow, the same ox, the same dirt. Someone's going to take the stuff that you've given up and get a miracle out of it because they decided to see what God sees and not listen and live by what they see. There's a hidden potential in your current relationship. There, listen, the current marriage that you're in, there's potential. The current location where you live, 
The answer to your dreams may be found at your fingertips if only you believe it's possible. So before making a major change, you better take a good look around you. You might be sitting on acres of diamonds. You may go off and lose everything only to come back home one day and find out what you were looking for was right here in Jesus and in the kingdom and in his church. Wow. There's the story of this elderly man and his son and grandson. He used to go white-tailed deer hunting every year. It was their tradition. They would travel to the upper peninsula of Michigan for trophy white-tailed deer. And they would stock their freezers for the winter, all three of them, take care of their families, and they would have venison throughout the winter. They had to drive several hours to get to that locale in the UP, upper peninsula of Michigan. One year, Grandpa felt too old to make the trip. He said, you know, son, grandson, I, I, I just... I can't hack it out there in the cold and that many days camping. I just can't do it. So heartbroken, he remained behind that year. His son and grandson went on to go hunting for their white-tailed deer, their food resource for the year. So they camped and they hunted, and they changed locales and kept moving around trying to find a spot. And no matter where they went, they never bagged any deer. It was a fruitless hunting trip. But while they were going through their cold and the snow and the camping and the tracking and all that went in, in it, hunting for deer, true story, Grandpa, one morning, gets up early. He goes out into the kitchen, looks out over the kitchen sink to his acreage, the farm that they lived on, and lo and behold, looking out the window, into his backyard, on the back end of his property, walks a 12-point trophy white-tailed deer. Grandpa. Now let me embellish this. This is not in the story. It's just from me. Grandpa says, Jehovah Jireh, God has provided. Bang! And he shot a 12-point buck from his back porch. And his son, his grandson, come back home with no deer from their hunting trip at the UP. And Grandpa was seated there with a big old smile on his face and a rack on the mantle and said, Understand, I didn't miss a thing. My blessing was right here in my own backyard. I want to make a decree to the devil today. I'm not missing out on anything the world has to offer. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. To be held in sin's dread sway, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather be right here with God's people, letting him shape us and mold us and disciple us. I have purpose and destiny. You have purpose and destiny. And it's not out there wandering. It's here. And I want someone who is grateful that you have found this great treasure here. You ought to give God great praise for the treasure he's provided you. You don't have to search elsewhere. 
You don't have to try to see, well, you don't have to try it and think, well, should I try that once? I don't even have to try it to know. It's not for me. I'm dropping my bucket right here. I'm digging in my own backyard. I'm checking out what's right there on my own acreage. So to you today, the redeemed, you ought to jump to your feet and give God praise offerings right now for the blessings that are here right now, for the blessings of the Lord that he's provided you right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Go on, lift your hands and vocalize some thanks to him. Thank you, Father. This has been a word in season for somebody. Someone here has been chasing diamonds. And here's what you're going to discover. The world will use you, abuse you, trash you, and the devil will throw you away like a piece of dirt. But God loves you, and that's the gospel. So at a critical crossroads place in your life, about to give up the greatest thing in your life, and God sent you in here today to be intersected by his word. And he's saying to you, there are acres of diamonds at your feet. It's not somewhere out there. It's right here found in Jesus, in his word, in his kingdom. Eyes are closed for just a few seconds, please.